Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey there, it's Eric J. Olson with another live episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. Today, I have a guest with me. Andy, what's happening, Andy? How you doing? Hey, very nice to be here on my first podcast appearance, Eric. All right. This is great. No, I have a feeling this is going to be the best one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere to go but up, right? Hey, that's right. We're already off to a good start. So. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm and what you guys do. Great. I am a an intellectual property attorney by practice. I focus primarily on trademarks and copyrights. My training came from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, where I work for several years before transitioning to private practice, first at an IP boutique uh, in Southern Connecticut, and now with Martha Kalina, which is my my current firm, where I've been the managing partner for now all of three and a half months. Three and a half. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Martha is a, a general business firm. We are centered in Connecticut. That's where the firm's roots and history are, but we have a pretty substantial presence in Boston as well. We cover I think most of the things you would expect from a general business law firm, commercial, real estate, corporate, but we have a out of that general business practice, we've sort of added on pieces to serve ancillary areas from those cores, like trust and estates, uh, litigation, intellectual property, which is where I come in, and immigration, and a, and a few other sort of add-on pieces so that we can be as full service as possible to, to the business clients. Okay. Do you focus on a particular industry or, or test industries? when it comes to business clients? No, I think most of the firm's practice, although not mine, is fairly locally focused on the the institutions in our home areas in, in Boston and in, in Connecticut. My practice as trademarks is tends to be more international. I'm, I'm as likely to have a client in Japan as I am in, in Connecticut. But across that, we serve pretty much any industry that, that has needs in, in our areas. Connecticut is maybe less of a manufacturing hub than it was 40 or 50 years ago. And the firm's transitioned with that, very heavily invested in educational services, working with universities, the financial sector, working with hedge funds, venture capital, and private equity funds in all manner of, of services to help them. And, and generally, sort of the knowledge economy that more now than ever drives Connecticut. We have a, we have a big emerging companies practice where we, we work with pretty much everyone in the startup ecosystem. We have actually an office satellite office in New Haven inside a, a uh, co-working space where up until March of 2020, people could just stop by. We'd staff it with a couple of people every day and entrepreneurs could stop by and just chat and without getting a fee, just get a little bit of a sense of what their legal needs might be. So that's kind of a fun, interesting way to to service what I think is a really important part of Connecticut's business community. Yeah, I, I did something similar when I first started my business. I was working out of an accelerator, another word for mm -hmm. an incubator, and they had people running through all the time, startup businesses, and also established businesses were coming in to like mentor and, right. and help them. And so it was a really good source of leads for me, for sure. Have you found that as well? We, we have. And you know, we have special pricing programs for those entrepreneurs because we you know, we recognize that the, you know, the, the banking client that's been around for 50 years and the company that started by someone who works at a bank and really wants to quit their day job have very different needs and very different 
pricing abilities and budget abilities. And we don't, we obviously, we still need to, we still need to make money. We're a business, but we can structure things in a way that allows us to give them services up to the point that they need, uh, say, until they get their first round of funding. And we then we hope, of course, that the relationship grows with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, very cool. All right. One of the things that, that we like to explore a lot on this podcast are trends that people see in the legal industry. Are, are, are you seeing things, change? I mean, certainly like technology, working from home, a big trend right now. Are you seeing like other trends, either financial or legal, that are affecting your clients or your business? I think I think that all the trends that were in place from say 2015 to 2020 just got accelerated massively in 2020. So the, the the pressure on legal pricing and the demands from corporate counsel for alternate fee arrangements, fixed fees, you know, split fees, blended fees, all those things that were were being talked about a few years ago are now just part of the, it's now expected. Remote working, you know, a few years ago, law firms were willing to do it for some people. Now we're really are put in a situation where, of course, we've had to be remote for a year and we've learned what we can do remotely and what we can't do. Managing virtual business development and virtual hearings and managing ourselves in a virtual environment. You know, the law is really, really slow as a profession to adopt new technology. They, they the, the model, you know, as recently as a couple of years ago, I had to fly out to San Jose, California for a 15 minute scheduling conference with a judge. Unbelievably expensive for the client, but it's the first time in the case where I'm in front of the judge, I can't not be there. I can't just send local for that. Now, dime, all the courts have to switch. And I don't think they're switching back. We as law firms, you know, we've now got to up our game to be better than that. We're spending some money building studio space inside our offices. We have we have more offices empty now than we did before because people aren't coming in. So we're tasking some of that to making proper studio space so that the lighting is right, the mics are right, because at some point we're going to have a hearing in front of appellate judges and we can't look like we're in hostage videos. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Dark lighting, right? Yeah. Bright light behind. Right. Yeah, that's not a good combination. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, you have good lighting on you. I am facing a wall right now, so I have to have a ring light in right. front of me and it makes a big difference, right? So it's, it's smart that you're you're thinking about that and, and probably going to convert some of those vacant offices into basically you know, video rooms. Right. And then with that, we want to, we want to encourage our people to start making capacity, you know, taking advantage of that capacity. So there may be matters that aren't worth writing a whole client alert about, but maybe it's worth doing a two minute video post that we'll put up on the site, things like that. But those are all things that we thought about that we, we sort of had in our mind and the, the pandemic forced us to to really you know move forward quickly and we couldn't we couldn't move as deliberately as law as lawyers like to move we were forced to move incredibly fast and then it turned out yeah we can do a lot of stuff we're we're better at this than we realized our staff and our teams are way better than this than we realized and now it's a matter of taking the taking the opportunities that made themselves available during the pandemic and making the most of it. No, I, I think that's really, really smart. Uh, it, it also seems like it's a good idea when when there's a place established and all you have to do is bring your laptop. Right. Uh, like, so for my spot right here, I've got the microphone, you know, it, it's on a on a little arm, but it, it, it never moves. 
news from here, but I don't work from here. I work from over there. Exactly. So I come over, I turn on the ring light, plug in the, the microphone, and I'm good to go. So right. it makes it simple. So I would think it would be the same thing for your attorneys. That's a good idea. Interesting. What do you think about, are they called like not video trials, but testimonies or hearings, video hearings? Right. So we actually had the pandemic happened and the courts in Connecticut were shut down. We were one of the firms that was that the, the Connecticut courts asked to help them practice for virtual hearings. They took some old cases and they contacted some firms and said, we'd like to redo the arguments and practice our own our own tech and test our tech. And we did some of that with them. So the, the appellate hearings are the easiest because it's just you know a fixed number of judges, a fixed number of lawyers, questions, it's answers. Everything below that gets more complicated where you have witnesses, you have to have people sworn in, you have exhibits. But again, the technology has been sitting there. Technology has been sitting there and we've just been very reluctant as, as lawyers to use it. We've had CFOs who've been telling us for years, you don't need to travel everywhere. You can do this remotely. They've had their pencils sharpened for this moment for, for a really long time. And now that the courts are have allowed it, you're seeing very effective depositions being taken completely virtually. There are trials being done completely virtually, complex trials. There are hearings of all kinds. Some things are probably still best suited for, for live testimony, but there are there are huge economies of scale taking place in the courts now, like there haven't been since photocopy. There are, instead of going to court for a motion day and sitting for four hours, which the client is getting billed at least some of that time. Now you're just logging on when you're called and when your case is called and you're, you're prepared, you're doing your argument, you're logging off. The judge can hear way more cases, dispose of them faster. I think that what we are, if the profession seizes on it and really makes the most of it, we will have a better service that we deliver to the litigants. We'll, we'll be better lawyers, they will be better served and they will pay less for it. That's my hope. You know, it, it's happening now. I guess the big question is, will it kind of like unravel once the pandemic passes by? I would hope not. It seems like this is a really good use of technology and a really good use of skill set. And yeah, and I, I would hope that clients, the, the litigants really advocate for this, that they say, we don't want to go back to sending our lawyers across the country for a 15 minute scheduling conference. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. All right, well, you mentioned a uh, relatively new managing partner. Congratulations. Thank that's, you. It's exciting. So, uh, you know, you inherited firm. I'm sure you have some ideas of your own. What are your general growth plans for the next, say, you know, five, maybe even 10 years from now? We, like most firms our age, fir the firm goes back to the 30s. And like most firms our age, it had a big expansion of services and lawyers in the 80s the, as the boomers sort of matured into partners. And they're retiring and they're retiring quickly. And so there is a pressure, a real pressure to, to replace them, newer skilled people in to serve to serve those clients. So we have those sort of targeted lateral hires that we're doing all the time. We have we have another one starting in at the beginning of May. But those are just like Alice in Wonderland. You're running as fast as you can to stay in the same place. Real growth is going to come, I think, from combinations. And you're you're seeing it in the industry after a bit of a pause in 2020 because no one knew who was you know, no one knew anything, right? Everyone was a little paralyzed. I think you're going to see more combinations and you're going to see combinations among mid-sized firms as they band together to keep from getting swallowed up or have their clients swallowed up by multinational firms. You're going to see more of that. We're, we're investigating those opportunities as well. Okay. So is that acquisition we're talking about or merging? Uh, both. So, so acquisitions of 
you know, boutique firms with practice areas that we want, instead of trying to hire one person and trying to get them to grow the practice, maybe try to move that along faster by by bringing in a, a boutique firm. Nice. B- boutiques, having cut my teeth in one, when things are going well, boutiques are great. You, you they're, they're highly profitable because they're so laser focused. When things are not going well, boutiques really suffer because there's no wind in the sails and there's nobody else to, to, to row. So right now we, we are looking at a few boutiques and contacting them to see how the, you know, how, how they're doing. If they're, yeah. if they've got an appetite for maybe arbitraging out some of their risk with a more general practice firm, but one that's still small enough that allows them to the flexibility with, with their fees and the flexibility in the way they do their work. So that's one, one type of thing that I think we're all looking at. And then on the other side is more of the, the the merger, the the merger of equals or the acquisition of larger firms, where you're looking now in a boutique, you're really looking, I think, to to strategically add a practice area with a with a merger. Maybe you're looking at geographic footprint, or you know, maybe a firm that's similar to yours, but you can deepen everybody's bench. So that that I think is on is high on everybody's list right now. Nice. I think that's smart. We uh, we're doing something similar here, which is just even in communication with others in the marketing industry and just seeing how everyone's doing and there, there could be opportunities to pop up you know someone may raise their hand and say hey we're struggling we need help and if not that's fine too right it's just a good idea to keep in communication and see how that's right that's right and it's it's a lot of just talking and checking in on people conversations we may have had a couple of years ago and and seeing how they're doing yeah totally agree cool is there a particular marketing strategy that you have tried that's really worked well for you to to get the attention of your ideal prospect businesses well i'm hoping podcasts yeah this is the first of many for you you know we're historically we've been very much in a face-to-face in-person business development partners go out they meet people and they you know they share their expertise on a small scale and then sort of grow that way one thing that i think is really useful and that i'm encouraging my team to do is to write and publish not just client alerts because those go to your existing clients but try to find what your clients read that there is a having spoken to a few publishers there is a lot there's a lot of demand on the publishing side for good content and if you can write something that is high level enough to get someone interested but still detailed enough to be useful you can get that in front of your clients so that they maybe think of you as, you know, you're maybe top of mind when they have that issue. I've written articles that are published in European legal journals because the the lawyers who read those likely to need to refer cases when they have issues in the U.S. And so I'm encouraging my team to take you know, I, I tell the emerging stage partners, the early stage partners, if you touch an, uh, um, an issue two or three times, you've got the research sitting there. Just put it together. If you sent the, right. if you sent basically the same email to three clients, you probably have three quarters of your paper done. You're right. It's just a matter of finessing it, right? Right. You know, to just take it, clean it up, put it into a, you know, a clear and coherent form and then figure out where to send it. And it's a great way to reach out to your clients, to call them and say, hey, I've got this article I'm working on. I was wondering, you know, here's the topic. I think it's something that you'd be interested in. Who, what do you read? You know, if nothing else, it's an excuse to have a meaningful touch with the client where you're talking with them about something of interest to them. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned getting published, right? Having those articles in a publication. Say also those articles, put them on your website. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And And then take little snippets, put them out on social media and try to get people to drive back to your website, right? Yeah. I have used firms in very specialized niche areas that I learned about because 
I read material that they published on their website or published in in um, in journals that I thought demonstrated a real that they had a real handle on some issue. And when I needed that issue, I've that's been my first call. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Well, very cool. Hey, I appreciate. It. Hey, you know, I have I have one more question for you. I see two guitars background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're a guitar player. One's a banjo, one's a guitar. The the black one is a Epiphone that was so reluctant to have me play it during the pandemic that at some point it more or less committed suicide <laughs> by retracting its uh, patch cord jack to where I can't even plug in anymore. So nope. one of these weekends, I'm going to have to open up the back panel and, and, and fix that. The banjo is something that I just doodle around with a little bit. I just think it's a great instrument and I, I like, you know, fiddling around with it a bit, a, a little bit. I don't know if my family agrees that, that that's a great way to end my time. To unwind, right? Yeah. Funny. Well, cool, Andy. Hey, I appreciate your time. What is a good way for people to get in touch with you? Easiest way is email. It's a Correa. A-C-O-R-E-A at MirthaLaw.com. And always happy to, to, to set up a call after, uh, after an exchange of emails. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. And for anyone who's watching, if you are interested in stepping up your law firm marketing, please consider Array Digital. You can find out more about us at ArrayLaw.com. All right, Andy, really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Had a, had a great time. All right, this is the first of many for you. Absolutely.